Welcome to the Tales of Mythic Adventure podcast, coming to you from distant shores. And yes, it's time for another Tales of Mythic Adventure, the podcast from Chaosium. I'm Michael O'Brien, also known as Mob, and this week I'm speaking to Ian Cooper. And Ian Cooper is the uh, lead author of an exciting new Heroclest Gorlantha release we have coming out called The Coming Storm. And I caught up with Ian to tell us what we can expect. Now, some of you may have already seen it because we have actually, subsequent to me speaking to Ian, released the PDF. But the physical books are coming very, very soon. Okay, over to my discussion with Ian. Okay, well, I am talking to Ian Cooper, who is the principal author of the latest HeroQuest Glorantha release, which is called The Coming Storm. And the PDF has uh, just come out for that, and the the print copies are coming out soon. How are you, Ian? I'm good, my friend. Good, yes. Um, uh, it's The kids are safely in bed. It's night time, and I'm happy to talk to you, where it's presumably morning and your kids are safely at school. That's indeed how it works. So we've got some real synchronicity here. So, Ian, uh, exciting. The, the Coming Storm PDF came out last week, and... Yeah. Uh, the print copies will be coming out later this year. Yeah, I'm told it's in a uh, the mysteries of uh, a boat from China at some point. So. Yes, yes, we, we've got a lot of precious cargo coming from uh, from China, and uh, the coming storm is one of them. So, Ian, tell us a bit about the coming storm. What is it? Great. So, thanks. Um, well, the coming storm. Uh, is the book that I've really wanted to write for a very long time uh, with, with help with Jeff. And I always wanted to run a Star Trek campaign, but it seemed to be a long time before we ever really explored that area. We went off to Pavis and the Big Rubble, but I wanted to be in Sartre. And so this book for me is the, um, the culmination of um, what wanted to play that campaign over time and having prepared a lot of that material in my own house campaign um, wanted to really share all of that the, the material you would need as a gm to run that classic campaign yourself so it's set around uh, a clan of the sincina called the red cow red cow are famous of course for their their red cows which people use in sacrifices and all sorts of rituals and they are the only clan in Sartar that knows a, a secret which enables them to birth these these cows mm. and the members of the sincina tribe they're located just north of the quiven mountains on the edge of the donal flats and they have many enemies the um to their north of the dina Coley clan who are um northerners tarshites really by origin and who uh, they, they've always disliked and the Colbria to their south who are of course quite a famous uh, Sartreite tribe but have always envied the Sincina their their wealth from their cows and quite often raid to take it but most terrible of all of course are the Telmori the wolfmen who live mm. um, to their east now of course any member of the Red Cat clan will tell you that you know their cousin um, knows someone who was, you know, had their children stolen by the wolfmen and eaten, and these people could never be trusted. Uh, and uh, everyone remembers that, you know, some uh, fifteen odd years ago, the uh, uh, Tolmori fell upon the Maboda clan uh, tribe brother and destroyed the Maboda tribe. And so we all know that uh, the wolfmen cannot be trusted. And, of course, there's a small matter of being occupied by the Lunar Empire as well. But, 
you know, actually here, perhaps more than the Colin one, that's a slightly more ambivalent situation in that obviously Duke Jones, who is the um, one of the Empire's finest generals, helped defeat the Wolfmen after they'd slaughtered the Boda tribe. So, you know, there's there's good and the bad. Of course, they, you know, we are oppressed, um, but at the same time, they keep the Wolfmen at bay. So there's, um, there's so not there's, just black and white, there's, there's shades of grey here as well. Well, I think that's always the best. Um, Grantham campaigns have always had that kind of nuance of, you know, turn this around a little from the other direction and actually, uh, you know, it's not all simply, you know, the Olanthia, the, the good guys and the Lunar Empire, the bad guys, etc. It's, it's a case of, you know, what have the Lunars ever done for us? All right, exactly. Yeah, apart from the, you know, the roads, the sewage, yeah, what have they ever done for us? Yeah. yeah. So um, there's there's a lot of detail there. Is that in the book? Right. So the first, the, the book that coming storm is essentially what we're calling Volume One of the Red Cow. And there's another book called The Eleven Lights coming out later. Okay. So this book is essentially the best way to think of this is the setting. So this is the this gives you all the material you would need to understand the, the setting. So there's a large section of detail on the Red Cow and Red Cow Fort, which is the which is the home in the sort of Iron Age style hill fort which they which they live in. And oh, and that, a, a Ian, that folk, has some that has some lovely maps too, doesn't it? Yeah, some diamonds. great maps done by Simon Bray and 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 uh, tried to be done in the kind of Janelle uh, Jackway style of old that you may remember from. Products like Griffin Mountain, if you're if you're older, mm-hmm. um, and it's a beautiful kind of like um, bird's eye view, uh, three dimensional representation of what it, what it looks like. Very very evocative. It may help really helps you feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we include along with that a lot of NPCs. I mean, overall in the whole product, I think there are something like sixty odd NPCs. I did have a few more, but but Jeff wisely decided that I couldn't have more NPCs than Game of Thrones had characters, <laughs> okay. so, we, so we had to reduce we had to reduce a few and combine a few together. What um, I do like, Ian, is um, the way that the tribal ring is is drawn in the diagram. Tell tell everyone what the diagram looks like. I think that's rather clever. Okay, so the diagram for the, for the for, we have a number of what we call relationship map diagrams throughout the product. There are quite a few NPCs, and so managing that can be quite complex. And so we drew up the diagrams which show you uh, headshots of the various members of the, um, uh, the the clan ring of the red cow and the tribal ring uh, and the related clans. So with the clan ring for the red cow, I believe, is in the shape of a spiral it for is, an, air, an air rune. Yes, it's an air rune. So yeah. it has the most important people in the center and it kind of spirals its way out. I thought that was rather nifty. Yeah, we also actually have um, runes for the Cincina tribe. I believe they're in, in that shape as well. I'd have to go and look to remind myself, but I believe there may be a mastery rune and a... Uh, let me have a quick look at my... Yeah, I believe there's a mastery rune and a, um, a death rune and a moon rune and a, a fire rune, I believe. There. Very good. Yeah. So, but yeah, the heart of it, it is really those... Um, that those are NPCs. And then we, of course, have uh, a section on the, the tribe itself, the Cincina. We include quite a lot of history there. So there were some beautiful maps done by um, Colin Driver, who also did the maps for um, the, the Guide, guide to Glorantha, showing yeah. really the historical movement of peoples in this area. Where did the people who, who now form the Red Cow Clan, the Cincina tribe, come from? Uh, what was their history before? And we look at, you know, we show, show a big section showing when the Telmori arrived, for example, quite what happened to people in this area. And essentially, you know, the short version of that is that 
they always into hiding at various strong points like Red Cow Fort, um, uh, Stonegate, where effectively they, they hid really from the Wolfmen until uh, Hallbrook John managed to um, round them up uh, and produce enough strength to kind of fight the Tomori off. Mm-hmm. That ended in a stalemate, of course, until Sartar comes. But we show all that history visually. And then, of course, we have descriptions of some of the other clans. So we, we have kind of, if you like, exemplary. We have uh, Duluthor, who are the neighbors who are rivals. And we basically cover the Duluthor clan. We cover Dangerford, which is the most important crossing of the creek. And we cover um, the leaders of that clan. We cover um, the Tupine, who are a Colbria clan um Living in the Two Pine Ridges, just to, just to the south, they are a clan that looks like they're living from war and conquest. Uh, and if necessary, the victims of those uh, raids will be actually the Red Cow Clan. And the Emerald Sword, who are members of the Dinakoli, some of the Fat Tribe, who live north of the creek. Originally, they came down um, from Tarsh, uh, and they've settled in that area. And they too are enemies of the Red Cow. In fact, as the game begins in the next volume, the Eleven Lights, they are feuding with the Red Ooh, Cow Clan. Well, um, people who've played uh, the classic computer game King of Dragon Pass, a lot of this will, will sound very familiar in terms of the terminology right. and the, the yeah. culture and the background. So would that be a very good uh, stepping way into this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... You know, the, the King of Dragon Pass is it covers a classic life of an all anti clan, and a great uh, advantage of having played that is it gives you a really great cycle, feel for the cycle of yearly life in an all anti clan through the seasons and the kind of activities they get up to. You know, raiding for cattle, uh, feuding with your neighbours, you know, exploring the area, finding strange treasures. That kind of thing. And that's very much a, a good introduction to the all anti life is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I assume that. Uh, well, it does. The the coming storm really goes into a lot more detail, doesn't it? You can really richly embed uh, your characters into this. Yeah. So the idea really is to uh, is that most people, you know, a lot of us nowadays have have time pressure. Wouldn't wouldn't have the time to create a campaign of this kind of detail on their own. And so here, by giving you all that information, we take that work work off your plate. So you've got a complete setup, all the characters you need, the places you need, the maps, the background, um, the myths that you want uh, to let you give give people a really immersive setting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the second volume, which is called the, called the Eleven Lights, has a campaign from 1618 to 1625. Uh, and the idea behind this campaign is you can play it one or two ways. You can use the first book as a real classic sandbox setting. It's very richly detailed, very immersive. You can really get into playing day-to-day life of uh, an anti clan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also provide a year-by-year guide to events between 1618 and the liberation of Sartre in 1625. If anybody's um, looked at that classic um, uh, Pendragon supplement, the great Pendragon campaign, we model our years a bit on that. So uh-huh. there's a kind of description of what's happening overall in Dragon Pass at the time, how the local ring and clan will react to those greater events, what local events are happening, and then quite often uh, a couple of scenarios for you to play out which 
typify what's happening in that year. So we have, for example, scenarios dealing with when the crimson bat passes through the area. We have scenarios dealing with the great winter that falls on the on the clan. And a lot of the question you're really being asked in that campaign is how do you, as the PCs, help the clan survive the horrors of the hero wars as they begin? And, uh, yeah, a lot happens between 1618 and 1625. <laughs> right, absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that I think we're trying to look at is, look, Dragon Pass is this battleground that we see from, you know, Greg's first real publication commercially was, you know, White Baron Red Moon that became Dragon Pass, this huge kind of board game where armies clash in Dragon Pass. But what's it going to be like to live in that kind of war zone and try and help your clan survive. Yeah, what's it like to be under that great big stack of counters when it appears... Well, right, exactly. <laughs> ...where you live. I mean, yeah. Danger and Rekau 4, you know, are on, the, on that map and you can you can fight out the battles there. I think one of my earliest um, uh, games of uh, Dragon Pass, I can remember playing with a friend, I discovered that, you know, crossing crossing water can be quite, uh, quite suicidal at times. <laughs> so, um, Ian, this has been written for HeroQuest Glorantha which is uh, one of the game lines that you can play uh, in the world of Glorantha. What about if mm-hmm. I am a, a RuneQuest fan and I, I really would want to play my Glorantha using RuneQuest? How can I use the coming storm? Can I use the coming storm? Yeah, I mean, the big advantage of it being written in HeroQuest, of course, is that it has relatively low stats. Uh, HeroQuest is mainly descriptive, so uh, there's only a tiny small box of, of text. We don't really give numbers in HeroQuest. So there's not much wasted information if you want to actually use it with a different game system like RuneQuest. Now, what you'd have to do is, is work out the stats for the NPCs, but generally, I would, if I... I did that, I would just use a model saying, okay, I'm only going to stack up NPCs that I actually need games, the mechanics for. Because many of the NPCs are, if you like, you interact with red relationship terms, but you're not actually going to need some of those cases. Um, so you can you can minimize that, that approach. But uh, it's, it's overall, the material in the books uh, is setting information, and that's very easy for you to actually then add the numbers to. So it's pretty usable for from any... Uh, system you want RuneQuest or if you've got some other homebrewed Granton um, uh, version that you like to play it's all very very useful great so and, and would would the same apply for the uh, 11 lights book that is coming out as well yeah I mean the 11 lights campaign uh, obviously the the scenarios there even though they're they're hero quest hero quest doesn't tend to have lots of mechanical um, detail there so that it's equally viable you can just play out those scenarios uh, in RuneQuest or 13th Age or whatever your, your, your weapon of choice is for playing your Granthin games oh that's that's terrific so um, there are two volumes in this in this series and you're calling it the Red Cow series is that right yeah, so it's, so it's Red Cow Volume 1 and 2. That's the name of the, the, the player character clan. That's where you will have your home base from where your adventures occur. So the first one was The Coming Storm, and that's the setting. If you think of it like it's the, you know, the sandbox setting that you can, you can play in. Uh, and the, the one advantage there is that, you know, 90% of the information in that book is 
very much what the players would know, uh, what the players' characters would know from just living in the area. There are a couple of small secrets in there, but nothing that would really affect your game. Um, and the second book, obviously, for GMs is the actual kind of scenario pack. And we, we cover both, you know, generic in that pack, uh, generic Sartreite adventures, um, how to run a, essentially run a clan-based campaign, and then we have, then we have as we say, the individual year material. Um, and that one is currently in layout, and we hope to get that one out very soon so that you can actually then play out the full campaign. If you wanted to play with existing material, that that'd be fine. You could play with it, and, you know, set it a little bit prior to 1618, uh, and then pick up the campaign when it comes out. Fantastic! Uh, you could one, certainly play with the first book. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the other great things about the book is um, it's been laid out using a new template that's been created for especially for it. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because it's pretty special. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, kind of layout. Uh, the uh, gone are the old kind of like um, uh, you know very white plain text. We basically got uh, there's a consistent image in this one, which is essentially is the movement rune, not the, no, the air rune rather throughout this one. Uh, movement runes in the second, in the second book, um, and a beautiful kind of use of the runes in headers and um, uh, and color. We've got color maps. This one, for example. So yes, it's actually um, like, color. All the way inside, too. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to call out was, um, uh, obviously, the the NPCs were a critical part of this book for us. And when Jeff and I were talking about the book, from very early on, we were very clear that, for us, the key art for the first book was going to be um, illustrations of all of those NPCs. Mm -hmm. And... We, we got a great artist, Rachel Kahn, who I think is now also working on Six Ages, another, another Glanthan product yep. forthcoming. And um, uh, Six she Ages, of course, is the uh, sequel to King of Dragon Pass. It is, yeah, which I'm very excited about. Um, and she illustrated all of the NPCs. So we have various group shots of the NPCs, appropriate group shots. Um, and those are great for showing your players during the game because rather than just simply describing somebody, um, you can actually whip out the illustration and say, look, it's this guy. And I much prefer that to the you know issues sometimes you get with campaigns where the illustrations are very generic and it's not necessarily actually anybody in the campaigns. So you can't show it to your players and say, look, there is Chief Brody. But here you can. You can say, here is Chief Brody, right? This is what the guy looks like. And your players can actually see who they're interacting with. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff encultured me to how Grantham, uh, uh, or Anthony characters should look by dragging me around uh, many museums, as I'm sure you've been dragged around many, many museums by, by Jeff in the uh, past. Anyone that knows uh, Jeff well knows that uh, any time spent with Jeff will involve being dragged around museums, but it's a very pleasurable experience. It is, yeah. But it's, I think it's paid off a, a lot because I, I managed to eventually be, you know, learn what he felt that look and feel was like and then pass it on to Rachel. So Jeff and I are both very happy that this gives a uh, up-to-date feel of what the Ilanthi look like, very much in keeping with the description of them that we gave in the guide. Um, well, it's, and it's, it's really... It gives a real very Bronze Age feel, doesn't it? Right. And that's something that we were keen to do, was take Grantha back to its Bronze Age roots a bit and move it away from the kind of creeping medievalization uh, or medieval, creeping dark ages that, that had really offset it. So 
you know, I can remember when back when I first started and got my those Citadel miniatures figures that they were all, you know, looked like, you know, ancient Greeks. Mm-hmm. Where was that Bronze Age feel later? And now we've brought that back. So I like to say, you know, that we, we now really cast our eye across all of Bronze Age Europe from north to south when we're looking for inspiration. Um, but yeah, there are very specific cultures in there that people recognize, like Mycenae, um, Minoa. Uh, those, those cultures basically are very strongly represented in, in, in the art. Um, yeah, it's qu- quite striking. Um, so, Ian, The Coming Storm is currently out in PDF. It's going to be coming out in its printed version soon. Um, the, the boat is literally on its way from China. And uh, the second part is being laid out as we speak. It is indeed, yeah. So uh, I could say by the end of this year, we'll have uh, the Red Cow series, volumes one and two, for people to play completely. Yeah, pirates and everything, well, another dangers permitting. We should certainly have everything, everything ready for people to play. Yes, yeah. or you know, great, great Cthulhu. We 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 tell the the uh, ship captains to avoid you know certain parts of the South Pacific. It's obviously wise, <laughs> and don't pick up small statuettes in strange marketplaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to give the uh, the ship um, captains those riding instructions. Yes. <laughs> but well, yes, no. Um, uh, looking forward to it all coming out. Really, it's been been quite a journey for both Jeff and myself, and and for Greg as well. He was very involved in writing one of the key scenarios in the Eleven Lights. Fantastic. Well, it has been great talking to you, Ian, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing uh, the Red Cow series as it comes out. Thanks very much. Great. Thanks so much. Oh, the sun never sets on us. <laughs>